We are going to be reading Ephesians chapter 3 today. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your word is enough. It is powerful. It illuminates our minds and reveals mysteries. And so, God, we are thankful that we get a chance to hear from your word. Would you move me that your spirit might have its way, that we may understand you more? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you have uh, heard of this story that a, a, a pastor named Stephen, uh, Stephen Cole referenced. He, heard, he said this story. He said there were three men who were working on a stone pile at a construction site. A curious passerby was eager to discover what was going on. He asked the first worker, what are you doing? Chiseling a stone was the reply. Trying to get a better answer, he asked the second worker, what are you doing? Second worker said, earning a living. 
That was a washout. He had one more hope, and he asked the third worker, Sir, what are you doing? The third worker dropped his sledgehammer, stood straight up, and with a gleam in his eye exclaimed, I'm building a great cathedral. All three men were doing the same job, but only one of them saw how his role fit into a larger, more important vision. Today, as we dive into the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, my hope is that you will have a greater understanding, a greater picture, a clearer vision of how you fit into the beautiful church. That you will see that you make up God's church and that God's church is a beautiful expression of his kingdom. My hope is that you'll be committed to God's church even that much more because you'll realize just how valuable it is to God and how much he loves you. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul brings us into this situation. He brings us into it talking about a mystery. A mystery is something that is difficult or impossible to understand, something you can't wrap your mind around. When I was a kid, my mom used to let me watch this show, and I don't know why she did it, but it was a show called Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Ten years old, like, how did that happen? How did that go down? And it, and it, and it never would get worked out. It was a, a, a mystery. And so Paul brings us into this mystery in verses 2 through 5, and he says, that he's a steward, given some revelation about this ministry, that the Holy Spirit has birthed in some understanding that he's revealing to apostles and prophets, and he is one of them. And so he says, I've, I, I've got some awareness about this ministry, about this mystery. And so then in verse six, he tells us what the mystery is. Verse six says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Promises, promises, promises. You you those things jump out, and and the people of Israel, the people of Jewish descent, would have thought those promises might have been a little bit more select from for them. I mean, they realized that they were supposed to be the light unto the nations, but you getting my promises wasn't exactly on their mindset. I mean, these promises are things like God's unconditional love, his his redeeming love, providing an eternal home in heaven that God created every single individual and knew them intimately, that God wanted every one of his people to prosper, that that God will never leave you or forsake you. These promises, now the Gentiles were receiving. And uh, sometimes you can have somebody let you in, but not not see you as equal. You can sometimes have access, but not necessarily have equality. I remember I was going to school. Uh, Kobe won't hit me with a, with a Bible this morning. I was at Ohio State. And uh, watch out for Zeke, too. Um, and Ann. All y'all in here deep. Um, <laughs> So I remember being there, and we're all having some, like, joyful, like, 
new to the campus, early cohort, it's about 30 of us, and we're talking, where are you from, where are you from, and somehow the conversation starts shifting a little bit, and I remember people saying, like, yeah, and I, I did this, you know, before I came here, this was my work experience, and then this is my work experience, and somehow one of the people was like, yeah, Leon, yep, you probably, you probably came here through affirmative action, right? It's like, uh, uh, do, do I respond in anger? Do I, do I cut you back? Do I, what? So now I see that for the moment, there is, a, there is a, 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 an, an understanding that we're all students. We all are in this program together. We all are, have our, our IDs. We're starting class tomorrow. But somehow you think I'm a, 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 little, a little bit less. Not, 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 quite, not quite equal. And, 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 and the way it rolled off the tongue in, in joyful conversation let me know that, that it, it wasn't even spiteful. It just was, I'm a little better than you. You see, that, that's, that's what Paul is speaking to. Paul has come in and saying, hey, Gentiles, you are just as loved, just as cherished, just as entitled to all the promises God gives as the Jews. But, 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 but don't, don't, don't count the Jews out. I, I, uh, I trained for a race, trained for a half marathon. Yeah, it was a while ago. I've been eating a lot more Twinkies since then. Um, trained for a half marathon. So I got my plan together. I, I then had somebody hold me accountable. I ran with them. I started with one mile, okay? Week two, two miles. Every week I tried to add like half a mile. So I'm getting this. This took a long time. Before I know it, I'm running down to like Trader Joe's because the half mile joined the, the marathon is about to come up. That's 13 miles. All right. So I start, run the half marathon. I'm getting to the last mile. Do you know that if a brother tried to just, at the last mile, jump in the race and go finish, I would have tripped him and stepped on his neck. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, started, we started together. Do you know what I've put in to have to finish this thing? Do you know? Like, do you? That's, that's what the Jews are going through. I mean, we got Abraham in our lineage. We've been set apart for generation upon generation upon generation, told that we was going to be a light. And now, God, you just saying they get to they, they get to jump in the race and get the same medal. But see, when you stop and have to say who is he who creates the rules and who am I to tell him? what the rules should be, it forces you into a place of humility. Forces you into a place of humility. And so we see Paul saying, and yes, all the promises, all the benefits, all the medals come right on in. You are entitled to them. My Gentile brothers and sisters, you are entitled to them. I'm thankful that that our even our country, even our world has gotten this. We 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 did away with separate but equal a long time ago. 
We did away with that a long time ago, and, and we still feel the effects of, of classism, of racism, of, of gender disparity, of, of ageism, as we don't celebrate those that are older in the way that we should. And, and sadly, we see competition happen within the church where we can sometimes elevate some over another and choose our preferences. And you might be okay with competition as the Pistons are coming up and playoffs are approaching. You might be okay with it with Michigan State still in this... Wait, I don't even... They are cool, okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't check any games yesterday. Somebody about to cry. Um, you know, you might be okay with it in the, in the culture in that way. You might, you might even understand it. You don't support it, but you understand competition when, when, when gangs are going at it or mobsters or... But the church? But, but God's body? But, but the body that God died for, in essence, still kind of seeing each other as not equal at times and competing... Who's more holy? And so Paul is speaking right into this, saying, yeah, I know you fresh in, dripping wet with salvation, Gentiles, and take your place. Take your place with dignity because I died for you. And so we continue on in verses seven through nine. It says, of this gospel, I made a minister, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Family, what, what, what he is saying here is we are to, verse 9, bring to light for everyone. If, if, if you are wondering how a dark world will know God's plan, worry, wonder, think about it no more. It is you. It is us. It is God's church. God's church is the light unto the nations. God's church is the one that reveals this mystery, these understandings. Well, I was actually talking with a brother yesterday. I was asking him some questions. Do you believe in the Lord? No, I don't. Man, okay, how did you get to that point? What do you think about the end times? Like, what do you think about when you die? I haven't really thought about that. See, we've got an answer. We've got an answer. We, we actually, we, well, we have thought about it. We've thought about it at length. It's been thought about for us. How about we share that with you? The only place where you get that truth, where you get that understanding, where you get the reality that is an eternal one is the church. And so the beautiful church of God is the one helping to display this, this, this plan. But the interesting thing is that it happens as we have to die to self. It happens as, as we have differences and our differences pale in comparison to who we are united in, in Jesus. 
So he's saying is, as Jew and Gentile come together, y'all are displaying the beauty of Christ's plan for salvation. It's a bit crazy because you, you as, a, as a church member, you just think like, man, if I walk and I do what I'm supposed to, I'm good. But Paul isn't speaking to an individual here. He's actually speaking to the church universal. He's saying, you all together demonstrate an answer to the mystery of salvation. If you are separated you compromise the gospel. A church divided compromises the gospel, but one united actually is a light unto the nations. And so what's happening here is he's saying, if you want to know how we reach in the world, we're going to reach it through the church. We're going to reach it through being unified. We're going to reach it through our differences actually falling down and the cross uniting us. But that type of experience, that type of reality doesn't come without pain. It doesn't come without some hurt. If you look at the first verse in in chapter three, Paul says, for this reason, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He's not speaking. uh, What is it? Allegorically? No. Uh, What's the word? Hypothetically, come on, Caleb, he's not speaking hypothetically. This brother is in prison. Even in verse 13, he says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. What what has happened here? Keep your finger right there in Ephesians 3. Flip over to Acts 22. So in Acts 22, uh, Paul is ready to, to share the gospel with the Jews. And what he starts doing is he starts speaking in Hebrew because he's like, look, I want y'all to know I'm down with y'all. We on the same page. You need to speak the language. I speak the language. He starts telling about the gospel, Jesus, how Jesus has saved him, how he had a a jacked up life. He was the persecutor of, of, of Christians, used to go after him. Now he celebrates Christ and Christ has redeemed him. And then at the end of verse 21, he has the nerve to say this word that sets him off. You know that that word that sets you off, that one word that like when you in an argument with your spouse, everything cool, we can keep arguing, but don't you say that one word. Say that one word, we going to the next level, we going DEFCOM 10, you know that one word. And, and, and he does it here. He says, and he said to me, in verse 21, we're in chapter 22 of Acts. He, and he said to me, go. He's talking about this is where Jesus said to him, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. What's it say happened in the next verse? Verse 22. Up to this, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. It was like, they was like, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. You got you changed your life. Man, that's cool. Jesus. Cool. Okay, man. He took you from that to this. Great. And you here to tell us about it. That's awesome. And the Gentiles stone him, kill him, 
Get him! Like, like the whole posture changes of the group. Why? Because the message was good as long as it was for us. But as soon as you made the message for them, you now have set us off. And so, thank the Lord, uh, the officials enter in, and instead of him continuing to be stoned and beaten, uh, some officials enter in, and you can see later in the chapter, they basically take him and put him in prison. So he's writing right now about unity as he's being persecuted for preaching about unity. Why is that important? It's important because family pain with God's purpose can become a privilege. Pain with God's purpose can become a privilege. It's a privilege to endure this for your sake because God, you've called me to be about something bigger than you. It still hurts. Trust me, when they busted him in the head with them bricks, they weren't soft bricks because he was doing it for Jesus. They didn't get like Charmin soft, you know what I'm saying? They was real bricks busting him in the head. Folks trying to get at him, kill him. But he knew he was doing God's will. And that the unity of God's church was even more important than his physical well-being. Pain with God's purpose can become a privilege. And so, so we continue to see that God is going to reach the world through the church. But God also reaches to the heavens through the church. Look at me in verse 10. With verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The, the heavenly places. So, so I'm going to try to give you a quick snippet and just make this short. And I pray that I cover it in good enough detail. But, but basically, if you look in 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1. There it says this, uh, excuse me, First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. It says, uh, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched in and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the sub- subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look, things in which angels long to look. Basically, the way it's gone down is this. Humanity started in this place cared for by God. Our sin disrupted the trajectory that we were on. But the whole time, God has created angels and heavenly beings. So they're just sitting back like this. Let's peep this out. Okay, God cared for them. We're not mad, we're not Saudi, but actually God's greatest creation is humanity. 
We can't get it because on this side of heaven, we struggle with pain, doubt, depression, all types of stuff. But we are God's greatest creation. Because we are the only ones that he says bear his image. Look like him, created to reflect him. And so the angels are sitting back. See how this is going to work out. So now you got creation take place, this beautiful place where they are walking with God. Sin enters the picture, mars the whole thing. And now the angels are saying, how will all peace be restored? Angels are not all knowing. Angels are not all seeing. Angels are limited beings created by God. And so they are like, how is this redemption plan going to happen? And then they get hype. It says, that's why it says in that last verse, they long to look. They, they long, they don't know how it's going to happen either. And then they get hype because they're like, this is me with my, my angel wings. <laughs> they look at each other like, do, do, do you see this? Do, do you see the plan for redemption happens as God's people unite, as they become one, as they celebrate one another and are actually saying we are equal, counter to any other organization in the world. Trust me, go into uh, uh, Pfizer, go into uh, uh, whatever major legal firm, ask the president to start sweeping the floors. It doesn't happen. Other organizations are not a place where you say the highest and the lowest are equal. And so the, the angels are sitting back and saying, this is it. It's, it is the church. The church is the one who now will be used by God to usher in his kingdom. The church is the one that's going to help everybody get this mystery. The mystery that was for the human that doesn't know God and the mystery that was for the angels. And how is this going to all be redeemed? And so they sit back and look at us and say, ah, the church is the answer. And, and we get a chance to model, to demonstrate what that answer looks like every time we choose to say, nope, I'm not better than you. You're not lower than me. We are equal. And so, family, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and this is kind of the last chapter or the last part of this series, but... Uh, the way it's kind of building up is like a cake. It's like you got layers of cake, and then on the top is the, the, the icing or the cherry. Cherries on a Sunday. The, the birthday candle. Let's go with that. Equality is that birthday candle. But it started with the base for us. You mind going to that next one, brother? It started with the base. In the beginning, we were chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Spirit sealed by the spirit for an eternal reward. He made us alive in him. We are dead no more. We are not dead women walking, dead men walking, but God stepped in and redeemed us and made us alive. As my brother Nate preached last week, we are unified in Christ's body, but Christ knew our sinful state. 
he knew that access does not mean equality. And so he went a step further to say, and, just, and I died for all of you to experience salvation, but I also want all of you to experience unity at its greatest point, which means that you see your brother and sister as yourself. And so he died so that we would be equal. So that's our, that's our, 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 our Ephesians recap right there. And I pray that the, the foundations that we have, have set out will, will settle in your heart. This is us. This is, this is God's church. Chosen. But live it out as equals. Verse 12. And in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. I was coming up with a bunch of different illustrations, and y'all know how I do, but this brother just wrapped it up real neatly in a paragraph. So I just want to say what uh, Pastor Stephen Cole said. He says, boldness means that we can come before God without fear of rejection or penalty. Confidence implies familiarity. If, uh, and access means that you have the privilege of admission. I... Um, I was a, a intern in Cleveland uh, for the Cleveland court system, and I had a chance to work under a, a, an awesome man um, named Russell Brown III that was the Cleveland Municipal Court Administrator. And so when I first got there, um, like you just, you, you learn uh, that judges have a lot of power. Because as you're walking through the halls, people are talking and, okay, where's my court date? Where do I go? Everybody talking. You step through the door where the judges are. Zoop. Zoop. Tears start coming. People start shaking. You start having, you know, twitching that you didn't even know you had. You know, you just because this this person has the power to take away your freedom. It's like it's like a it's like a, a very interesting environment. And so as an intern, even though I'm an intern and I haven't done nothing wrong, I'm nervous too. Everybody's scared, so I'm scared too. You know, it's like, but then I started to realize there's a whole wing of the building that happens behind the courtroom where the judge now is walking up to people like, what up, boy? Hey, how y'all been? And there's a familiarity that happens when they take off the robe, come behind, and we're now talking in a way. And so after I had been there for some time, there was a comfort. There was a, 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 a sense of familiarity. There was a uh, an expectation that because of the badge that I had, I had access to the judges. I had access to Russell. I could come and go as I pleased. And there was a familiarity where I was able to thrive in the midst of an environment of power. The whole prayer that Paul is going to pray next is one of I'm asking for power that that cake, those different levels, that expectation that I have of my people to be my church. It's only going to happen through the power of the spirit. But family, we've got to feel comfortable in God's presence. 
Not comfortable because we deserve to be there. Not comfortable because we've earned it. Comfortable because he loves you. And because he wants you to connect. Because he wants to engage. Because he wants to be known by us. We can have a boldness because through the death of Jesus, he's provided us access into the throne room. That we can come right up to God and not as a, oh man, I think it was, I think it was Packer or it might have been, uh, what's the other brother that does, um, man, real famous, um, uh, uh, the other one, Piper, yes, yep, yeah, the other one, is only two, right? Um, so Piper said, like, like prayer is not like, like you know, a, a, um, like sending messages. It's not you just like writing down messages, putting them on a pigeon and sending them. It's more like an, an intercom where you are constantly back and forth, back and forth engaging with God, that he desires that, he wants that, and that our access unto God has been achieved through Christ's blood. And so we can come boldly asking, Lord, if you did all this, if you chose me, sealed me, redeemed me, united me, made me equal, if you did all that, why why can't I ask for somebody to be saved? Why can't I ask for somebody as a part of our body to be healed? Why can't I ask for redemption to happen in those that don't seem to be walking with Christ? Why can't I ask for a healthier community? Why can't I ask for dot, dot, dot? If we are the church, we get to reflect his missional posture unto the world and even unto the heavens. And so he knows that we can't do this on our own. And so Paul shifts from stating some truths to entering into God's presence on our behalf. He prays. He prays. And in verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted, grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness. It's a little something that you would pass, but Paul's being really intentional in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees. The Gentiles, when they would pray, they prayed like this, arms up, surrendered, showing that if, if, if right now you want to take advantage of me, you can, because my heart is not protected. But the Jews, when they prayed, they prayed out of reverence, down on their knees, bowing down. So what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to connect these two cultures and say, yeah, You pray, and that's what we should be doing. That is a part of the posture of the believer. I want to identify with you and let you know I'm praying with you, but I also want to connect you to your brothers. I want to connect you to these equals. I want to connect you to the church that loves you. So I'm a model, a posture of the Jews, and I'm going to bend down so that you can see 
that we are still one. Kneeling or standing, our posture of prayer is given unto a holy God that loves us equally. And I've seen I've seen that happen. We've seen that happen in, in, in Mac Ave. I've seen folks do simple things like, hey, want to have your family over for dinner and we're going to cook this meal that's been a part of my family's lineage forever. You know, make some good old food and it's and it's on point. And then sometimes I've seen people try to bless us and be like, hey, I don't really know how to cook that, Pastor, but based on what you like, I'm going to try to make it for you. Took the risk on the fried chicken. But, but, I, but, 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 but it's, it's the intentionality. It's the desire of I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to show you that I, I, I'm hearing you. I'm connecting with you. I want to be real with you. Maybe I don't come from the same background, but our differences don't have to separate us. Would you take my attempt and see it as one of just trying to love you? Just trying to show you that our Christ is the same. Just trying to let you know that I see you as my equal. This type of expression, this type of posture, y'all, is what God was expecting. And this is what God uses to retell the beauty of his story. During World War I, it's written in our, in our daily bread that Hitler commanded all religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Among the brethren assemblies, and brethren is a, a denomination of churches, a half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the other, uh, those who went along uh, with the order had a much easier time. Those who did not faced harsh persecution. In almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. When the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups and there was much tension. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. For several days, each person spent time in prayer examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands. Then they came together. Francis Schaeffer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, what did you do then? We were just one, he replied. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Christ. Family, we are a diverse body. We come from some very different backgrounds. And it is going to be tough today and it's going to be tough in our future to always understand one another and always get one another's idiosyncrasies and I don't even know if I said that right, uniqueness. But our differences do not have to divide us. Actually, what God is saying is your differences are still unique. Great. They didn't stop being Jews and these people didn't stop being from all the cultures they were from as Gentiles. But what he said is, but my blood unites you. So now what does it look like to be an equal body reflecting my light unto the world 
and fighting for being committed to community. Fam, I pray that you would see yourself as Christ's church, as the one who will reveal this mystery to the world as it's been revealed to you, that we will see ourselves as people that might have to go through some pain in order to bring his name glory. But that is worth it. That is worth it. Let's pray together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.